This is your weekly deep dive into video games steeped in blackness. For those of you who don't know, we're a live streaming podcast hosted by black technology professionals where we discuss the what, where, when, and how you can get into this world of technology, specifically video games. I'm your host, Cherie, and with me today, I've got our man with a million plans, Chuck. What's up, everyone? How y'all doing? I got our producer, Sleuther, and producer, Shanae. Hey, folks. Our marksman engineer, Leon, is back with us today. What's up, people? And we've got uh, we've got a, a member coming to us from uh, the drag Dungeons and Dragons. It looks like <laughs> I can't quite. Maybe, what I don't know. I don't know Dungeons and Dragons. What's the name of the worlds in Dungeons and Dragons? You know what? There's several. Don't hurt yourself. It's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would be hurting myself too. Okay, we got Travis with us here. Travis, how are you doing? Where am I? <laughs> All right, we are here every week to inspire, sustain, and nurture successful creative technologists in the pursuit of Black excellence and content development. Y'all, let us get these things kicked off. I know we are a little bit late today. We have a few technical issues. It happens, you know? So, but we want to go ahead and get things kicked off with our news segment, and then we're going to do our long topic. This week, we are talking about democratizing development. Is there a disturbance in the force? Mm. That's what we're talking about today. Um, but before we do get into that long topic, we're going to talk some other tech and gaming news with our new segment, Tech Newsians. So <laughs> kicking things off real quick, I actually did want to do a quick update because we did have, um, we did talk about last week, an article uh, from iFixit, which basically mentioned about how, you know, if you, if you all remember um, the iPhone 13, um, uh, if you're trying to do screen replacement for your iPhone 13, it would basically break face ID because there's like a little tiny chip um, in the corner of like the screen, which basically pairs the screen to the face ID to your phone, basically, right? So if you're you break your screen for your iPhone 13, um, and then you take it to like a random like repair shop to get it replaced, it's gonna break face ID. Well, Apple has heard people's complaints, and they have they've actually talked to the Verge this week, and they said that they will be they are backtracking, and they are going to remove the screen. Uh, chip pairing um, in an update. They haven't announced when the update is coming yet, but um, now you can replace your screen without any worries about breaking face ID. So um, that's a good update. Um, there's no, like I said, no news on when the update will go live yet, but until then, just make sure you buy a good phone case, I guess. <laughs> and don't drop your phone. Don't drop your phone. <laughs> don't drop your phone also. Okay, on to our actual news stories for this week. So, okay, I have a story here actually talking about YouTube. So I thought this was kind of interesting. YouTube announced um, this week that they are going to be removing the the dislike counter or removing um, uh, public viewing of the dislike counter from all videos across the platform. Mm. They're going to make it private. Essentially, um, only if if, if you are like a, um, if you're the channel owner, you can still see the dislikes and people will be able to click on dislike if they don't like the video, but it's not going to have a counter there anymore. And they did this basically in response to um, feedback they'd received from like creators, particularly like smaller creators, creators of color, creators from like marginalized groups um, who face a lot of harassment on the platform where like people will do like, you know, these dislike, I don't know, dislike attacks or whatever, where the, a mass bunch of people go and just mass dislike a video. And it makes it very hard for some of these new creators to build a following. So they actually went in and they said they're, they're going to make it invisible to the public. I thought this was pretty interesting. What do folks think about um, YouTube's decision here? 
I think it's a pretty interesting decision. I mean, first of all, wow, actually listening to people, <laughs> marginalized folks who are who are saying, hey, this is a way that this is a way that your tools are being used to harass us. Can you do something about it? Uh, you know, when I first heard the news, it was interesting because I was like, oh, they're removing this thing. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. And I thought and I said, actually, I don't I don't use that information, actually, as a viewer of many YouTube videos. I might see it, but mm -hmm. I very rarely use the dislikes counter to determine whether or not something is uh, so whether or not I'm going to consume some some video. So uh, I think this is kind of for the greater good in the like, the grand scheme of things. It'll, it will like remains to be seen as to how that is, how that impacts folks or, or like mm -hmm. whether it solves part of the problem because there's still a much deeper problem in here. But I appreciate that they're actually listening to and responding to folks with this. Yeah, I think I'm a, I think I'm in two minds on this one. Right. On one hand, uh, I agree. Right. What, what drives me to watch a video is the views and not necessarily the likes of the video. That that's really the better measure of whether it's mm -hmm. popular or not. Um, yeah. Usually when I see the dislikes, it's more like, oh, look, there's like there's like puppies. Right. And like 10 people don't like it. It's just like those 10 people are awful. Right. You know, that's that's <laughs> typically my 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 thought process there. Uh, so, you know, I don't think it necessarily adds anything by it going away. Although there's this curmudgeon kind of side of me that's just like, well, here we go. It's the participation trophy of YouTube videos. Like, we can't hurt anybody's feelings, so we got to hide the dislike thing. But that's just the curmudgeon old guy in me. Uh, but 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 I don't I don't think it I don't think it really moves the needle either way. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, speaking as a curmudgeon old person, um, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. Uh, a couple things. Uh, first of all. Uh, algorithmically, I don't know what dislikes do to you. Yeah. Um, so that's so that's one thing, right? So you could have, um, so so I don't know what chain of custody those decisions you know end up affecting the platform. I don't know. Um, I don't I don't generally care, um, you know, if 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 people have pressed the dislike button, I look at it, uh, you know, occasionally. And it's almost like I don't go into the comment section. Uh, as well, simply because most of the time it's a it's it's a waste of time. But you know, do you really have a community when people can't register their dislikes? Well, they can still add comments, I guess. Um, I, I mean, That's I, not the same. <laughs> I mean, people, and here's the thing: people actually can register their dislikes. You just like they just can't no, see, see them. them. Yeah. Able to, like, and then what? Then what good is it then? Why then? Well, why then, then? Why show the likes? The person, um, the person who posts the video can see it. Yeah, the they'll still get feedback to the. To the I, I I realize that once again, yeah. you know, we're not talking about a community of one. We're talking about a community of anybody who actually wants to view your content. Like, you know, where does that where does that land? I don't know. I mean, it's 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 one of these things where you know when you start to remove voices like that, you have to consider all the repercussions of them. You know, I understand that you know uh, just about anything can be used to harm people, yeah. um, and and when you remove a tool more emerge can can i can i say something it's funny how this tools has emerged with the influx of white supremacist videos going up in youtube this tool just comes up we're going to say it's for minorities but we know who it's really for it's not to protect us and what not youtube still can downgrade our videos and shadow ban our videos yeah. uh and they'd still know the number because they don't show it on their thing doesn't mean people don't don't see the number but there's been an influx of young white supremacist videos going up on youtube and particularly the one about the white girl talking about the black girl calling her the n-word and darky and all that and it had a, it received a stream of dislikes and that video is not shadow banned yet mm -hmm. and it's funny that 
why you make this tool now? There's a lot of young kids being white supremacists online. It's the new hot thing. And now you created a tool to protect minorities. Who is it really protecting? Well, just just to just to clarify too, uh, this isn't a new tool, right? Like this is mm-hmm. like this is an existing feature. Yeah, then they just been on, move, been on the platform for a while, and they're they're seeing how they're seeing how it was used to harass people, mm-hmm. and so they're iterating on that tool. Which I don't like. Just in in theory, the fact they're taking in feedback and seeing, hey, this thing that we we provided before is being used for harassment. Maybe we can figure out a way in which it's like, either moderate that iterate on that tool or moderate it so it's. It can't be used for harassment. That's not a bad thing in, mm-hmm. in theory. Um, and then likewise, like we can see how this works. Like who knows? Who knows if this actually solves the problem? <laughs> yeah, like, no, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it will. You know, you know, there's there's, there's no there's no, one thing that's gonna, yeah, there's no one thing that's going to solve racism online. All right. Yeah. But like, let's mm-hmm. see if it actually um, impacts it in enough of a way that this gives some additional relief. And if it doesn't, maybe they're like, sounds like they're open to making changes. So like, I, like that door is open now. Like let's I, I, let's talk about other ways in which it can they, they can uh, also address other features that are used for us. Yeah, I know there's been talks don't. about Instagram's likes. Like they're supposed to remove, remove the number of likes, so nobody mm-hmm. sees the number of likes because likes are currency. They are currency. And I was like, once you remove the likes from the actual content that's posted and put likes and dislikes to the comments that are made. Yeah, I mean, like I like I said, I don't I, I don't know if the way of of policing a community is to tell them to shut up. You know, it's 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 a false choice. And, um, you know, how are you ever really going to address something if you just tell people Shh. bad things? So, I mean, I will say, like, I mean, is it really telling them to shut up? They can still comment. It just makes it so you actually have to legitimately comment now as opposed to just unlike or dislike. Less, less jeering, like more words. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, I don't know if we actually want more words from the YouTube comment section, to be totally honest. So we'll see. Maybe it does. Well, well I mean, but, but basically you're saying you're saying less jeering, more cheering. Why? Like if you know, if if, if, if that's not that's that's not being, a, you know, a, a community that that, you know, really cares about how people feel. You know, YouTube's like not it or not, there are people who <laughs> YouTube's never been a community. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, let's, let's go on to the next story here. Mm-hmm. We got a story from Leon talking about a PS5. Is there anyone who wants a PS5 for Christmas, huh? Yeah, so there was a story from Games Radar that basically said that Sony is dropping their expected shipments of PS5s by a million. Um, and and while you know that's that's a huge number, it's also not an outlier. We're seeing the same from Nintendo, Tesla, BMW had to cut off the infotainment systems in their cars because they couldn't get enough chips to build them. So it's <laughs> it's a hot mess for everyone at this point. I would say that. If you are thinking about getting somebody a next-gen console for Christmas, then you need to start buying now. You're probably late. Um, and if you have to pay it twice on eBay, twice as much on eBay, that's probably a good price. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're, we're seeing supply chain disruptions across the board. Uh, I coach robotics programs in Detroit. I can't get robot parts for teams in Detroit right now uh, because they're all probably sitting in a boat off the coast of L.A. So, um, yeah, the, the problems here are real. Whew, yeah. I mean, I actually just saw a story also like they said uh, Tesla owners were only realizing that the USB ports were not in their cars after they'd picked them up, you know, to go to, and 
drove them home and they they realized that there was missing the usb ports because there's just two little holes <laughs> yeah because supply chain problems are you good. supposed to go to radio shack and just like fix that yourself <laughs> well you got you got to get a you got to get a time machine first yeah. to go to radio shack to get some parts to fix your thousand dollar car well, you know tesla always had they have problems with their finishings and their yeah. cars they've always had problems people talk uh, about this whole story it always this whole story yeah the chip shortage. <laughs> well, we may be in it forever. The way the way it looks. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, I mean, Steam Deck just got delayed. Mm-hmm. No, the play date just got delayed. The play date for two years. Delayed. Oh no! Wait, wait, we got delayed by two years. Yeah, twenty twenty three. Uh, some for for the play date you're talking about. Yeah, they, some yeah. some of them got delayed by that. My 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 group was group four. It has no change. It's still late twenty twenty two. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So theirs was a battery shortage, but a battery shortage and a chip shortage. Yeah. But it's the same. It's a whole the same thing, right? Um, Like, why do you even tell me something's coming out in 2023? You may as well tell me 3023 at this point. (laughs) (laughs) We'll bury it with you. There was a global pandemic last year. We're still in the middle of it. Any of my plans, I need to be able to see. (laughs) Well, everybody should get familiar with the great outdoors again and not worry about any of this digital stuff. Maybe it's the universe saying, hey, humans, maybe you should stop looking at screens just a little bit. What, what, what does that do to tech Nubians though? That we're, we're gonna be like, from like the woods and like a camp. We're gonna go to a campsite, and um, you know, hopefully we can. Uh, you know, we're just gonna record but, it and then like upload it. That's what tech. No, but how do you how 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 do we not do glamping when you're at your tech so, site or your your campsite if you have oh, your technology right? Isn't that what for sure? Isn't that what people do? Look, look, uh, no no disrespect to my West Coast friends, but some of us live in the Midwest and going outside uh, in the winter to enjoy the great snowy outdoors probably isn't an option for us. So I'll be yeah. on my screen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like seeing that there is an outdoors. Um, I, I I respect that it's there and some people enjoy it. Uh, mm-hmm. I do not climb mountains. It's very, pretty. it's very pretty on my TV screen. My screen it is, papers. it is gorgeous. My Apple, Apple TV shows me all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, those Apple TV like just screen, you know, just th- that, those are very beautiful. It just updated lately, uh, right? Recently, so you got yeah. all new pictures taken from drones, Leon. You know, Excellent. over various places in the on the plane and on, mm-hmm. on the on the planet. It's okay, all right. Well, I th- so I think we can move on to our next story here. Shanae, you've got a story for us about Twitter. I, I do have a story about Twitter. So uh, I don't know if y'all. We all follow on the Twitters and stuff, you know, uh, I do enjoy the Twitters, but I also recognize the Twitters can also be um, what is the right word? Cesspool. Um, but Twitter has struggled for a really long time with trying to figure out how to they how do they monetize? How do they make money? And they think they figure something out. So introducing Twitter Blue, a premium version of Twitter. If you sign up for Twitter Blue, which they're estimating is probably about three bucks a month. It's not it's not live in the United States yet. Uh, it's going to give you a couple of extra features like bookmark folders, undo tweet, reader mode, and ad-free reading. Now, undo tweet is the one that got everyone's attention because folks been asking for an edit button for about 5 million years, however long Twitter has existed. And Twitter's been like, nah, we're not going to give that to you. But now they're going to kind of sort of give it to you if you pay them three bucks a month. <laughs> it's worth noting also that a lot of the conversation is going on online because there's a few folks who signed up for it. Like I said, it's live in Australia and Canada only right now. A few folks have signed up for it and they noted that the accessibility, the, the reader mode actually works way better for accessibility features and for accessibility to readers as well. Mm-hmm. So 
cool, you got to pay for accessibility features right now for your Twitters. I guess you can no longer say, I can't believe this website is free because it isn't anymore. <laughs> Thoughts? Twitter should be paying you for using it for content. <laughs> I don't I use mean, the free version, so, you know. <laughs> I looked, and I think the last tweet I did was four years ago. Um, you know, The last tweet I did like, was about... 25 minutes ago. <laughs> it, yeah. Like, okay. I, 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 I don't, I like, if, 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 if you can justify, t- you know, uh, not seeing dislikes on YouTube, then I think you can justify just getting rid of Twitter, period. Well, wow. Because it's a whole service of dislikes. It is a whole service of dislikes. It is. <laughs> I think Char- I heard about MySpace Chartouche is coming out as well. Oh, and, you oh know, excellent. Know. Excellent. We're going to have the entire rainbow of right. various <laughs> applications and stuff. Yeah. Right now too. I mean, interestingly, I mean, Twitter doesn't have a dislike button. You just like it. Or if you don't like something, you often retweet it and put some snarky comment. I mean, if for me, for me, like, if 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 I were on a Twitter <laughs> and I was paying for it, I'd say give me some more characters because damn, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, I have never seen a service built so much on obsolescence since Snapchat, <laughs> which um, which did pretty well back in the day. Uh, it actually, I think it actually is still doing pretty well. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, it's still a thing. It's still a thing with the, with the, what? the kids. Um, yeah, kids like the Twitters. Yeah, they, they love the Twitters. They love the Snapchats. They love, they love the, the Snapchats. Yeah, they can have it. They can have it. I think you just aged out their group. Service. You just aged out their group. It's interesting service. I always tell folks, I'm like, listen, I will not advocate for anyone to join Twitter who doesn't want to join Twitter because uh, you may not want to be about that life. It can be, whew, it can be a lot and stuff like that too. That said, I've actually like like made connections with and and um, become part of communities in Twitter that are actually really. Um, really interesting and useful um, and act the way mm-hmm. that I expect the social media platforms to actually like, like they like, do the things I expect them to do, which is like help me build community and meet people and like have shared interests and stuff. Unfortunately, it also does that for like, you know, white supremacists. So um, there's uh, a, <laughs> you, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> you ever watch a movie where the, the main character or an associated character just goes out and screams at the top of their lungs, like something that's Twitter. It is. It 100% right? is. The only problem is everybody screams back. Yeah. It 100%. You know, and that's the thing. I just want to, if, 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 you know, if to harken back to, you know, a, another story, if you just open up your door mm-hmm. to see outside in nature and you scream, don't scream back, nature. Don't nobody want to hear it. You got to re scream. The best part is when you scream loud screen. enough. You hear your own voice echoing back at you, too. So, but yeah, like I said, you know, Twitter is a platform. Not going to argue for or against anything like that. But I thought it was really interesting that they've moved this route of trying to figure out, like, how to monetize their platform because yeah, I was wondering, general are consensus. Or are they still like not making money on their platform? Are they still not figure that out? Last I heard, they hadn't, and this feels like this is this is also implying that yeah, yeah we're still trying to figure out how to monetize this mess. Uh, yeah, I, like the general consensus online is like. Uh, okay, we might be open to paying for Twitter, but like this is it. <laughs> yep. I did expect it. I did expect it to be more. I know? did too. Like they had Twitter Spaces, they could probably do advanced Spaces. There's a million things they could do to actually bundle that in and make it yeah. worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, it feels it feels pretty anemic to be totally honest. I'm like, 
And the undo tweet button, most folks are just looking at it saying, like, can't I just delete a tweet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, see, I, I'm still on that, that place. Why well, revise when you can delete? When, like, I said, when I send tweets, I often do send, like, a thread. And so it kind of sucks when it's like, oh, I've had a typo in that in the fourth tweet in this thread, mm -hmm. I'm not deleting that whole thing. So you don't want an undo, you want an edit button. I want an edit button. I want exactly, it. and yes. you do not get that with Twitter Blue. I still don't get it, no. I still don't get it. This is yeah. true. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the I will mention with this, and this is something that Twitter could fix, by the way, is um, uh, making making it so that like, you know, you when you uh, tag somebody a tweet, we had way too many times where like the wrong person gets tagged in a tweet. It happened yesterday when Disney Plus announced like a whole their whole slate of things they were talking about like this new will smith uh show or movie mm -hmm. and they tagged the wrong will smith in all of their <laughs> in all of their tweets so of course wow. random will smith dude is getting all of these tweets and he's just like i think you've tagged the wrong will smith <laughs> poor dude wow his, his mentions just blowing up and he's yeah, like he's oh like, does that thing i tweet finally go viral and he's like whoa no they went. tagged the wrong will smith like <laughs> oh, so my goodness just, like that's the one thing i mean twitter is um it's a powerful tool but also it can just be like it can be a weapon of mass destruction in that way oh he's <laughs> about to get rich he's about to i'm about to monetize this get his 15 minutes in yeah, with his 15 minutes you know so anyways that's interesting maybe we'll see if uh i'm, I'm curious to see how many people will pay for you know a not undo not unlike but or not edit button i guess a fake yeah Edit button. A broken line. edit button. Broken if, it was, edit. if they just straight up made an edit button, I'll bet people would have been way more excited about it than this yeah. sort of compromised thing. But, yeah. you know, we'll see <laughs> when it goes live in the States. We, yes, indeed. All right. We have one more article for everybody. Travis, you want to set this up for us? Unity. By Peter Jackson VFX Studio. Weta Digital for 1.6 billion dollars <laughs> Wait, is that million or a billion billion with a B? billion with a b the engine developer would acquire uh will acquire the tech behind films such as lord of the rings shang chi avatar unity the the company behind the game engine of uh of the same name has entered into a definitive agreement to acquire blockbuster vfx firm we had a digital for a hefty one point six two five billion. That two five. That's a Hollywood reporter. A New Zealand-based VFX house owned by Peter Jackson Weta is probably best known for Lord of the Rings, Hobbit trilogies, Avatar, Marvel flicks like Shang Chi and the Eternals, um, and also uh, for you gamers out there, Weta actually uh, made and crashed a warthog. Um, the acquisition sees Unity acquire a host of proprietary Weta tech, including hair and fur simulators, water and smoke tools, facial capture systems, and various renderers. So, all in all, a good 275 uh, Weta digital engineers will join Unity through Jackson's visual effects business uh, will live under the new name, Weta Effects. We are thrilled to democratize these industry-leading tools and bring the genesis of Sir Peter Jackson and what is amazing engineering talents to life for artists everywhere. Says Unity CEO John Riccatello. Gamer. Yeah. Discuss. And interestingly, our topic today is going to be about democratizing, hmm. <laughs> democratizing tools. 
So, but I'll let I, let me let me uh, let me hand the floor over to someone else here to talk a little bit about the uh, this acquisition. I, I would I would say one thing that's kind of rather amusing is that you know the general consensus from the development crowd is that if you want to build something that is you know super super kind of high end in terms of graphics, you use you use Unreal, and and if you want kind of speed and multi platformness, you use Unity. Um, Wow, they just put another couple arrows in their uh, in their quiver in terms of uh, high level and quality. Uh, so that was put to bed. Uh, and but I think you know more to the point, And this is somebody you know I, I, I'm a registered Unity developer, so I get a lot of their news. Is that they do a lot more outside of games, right? They mm-hmm. do you know there's there's movie, there's productions. There's there, we're we're seeing a lot of real time or near real time kind of digital actors. Uh, but we also see things like automotive. So that's one thing we see a lot in Detroit is a lot of the renders. Like if I'm buying a, a car and I want to make a configurator, it's like, no, let me see that Tesla in blue. That's all rendered real time on the screen. And that's got to look really good. So, so Unity and Unreal are behind that. So there's a whole segment uh, that, that they're addressing. So I, I think it's really cool. Uh, I think the idea, and I know we're going to talk this later about kind of making these these tools which used to cost millions of dollars to access accessible at reasonable rates uh yeah. is only going to further empower people I, I think it's 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 super exciting uh same same right like i uh, i think you put, hit the nail on the head with that last part there leon like we we're you know just in general like if we go back 10 years and we think about what access people had to yeah. these tools that are now uh, well, they're not free, right? But they are. There's definitely entry level versions of them to hit a certain amount of like uh, funding and 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 um, uh, uh, and Sales. revenue like that mm-hmm. too, right? Like you have to be like uh, like at least a minor hit to have to pay money to to Unreal or Unity. We didn't used to have access to this stuff at mm-hmm. all. And and I won't say um, that I did this, but you know, in college, if you needed to like, you wanted to learn Photoshop, you either had to pay like fifteen hundred bucks, or you had to acquire a copy elsewhere. The evaluational copy. <laughs> the evaluation copy, right? There's like all these like student versions didn't exist, right? So I think it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful that you're you're giving more access to people to be able to to utilize and teach themselves and learn on the, these these tools that are actually really critical, um, and really pivotal and, and industry standard tools for. Like for game development, you you can actually hire folks that are right out of school, and they can be like actually already trained and 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 competent on tools like Unreal or Unity, and that didn't used to be the case. So that's kind of great. There's like there's not a lot of downsides to that. I'm real. What I really want to see is I want to see a timeline. When is this gonna happen? <laughs> I know it's in the future. How far in the future? Yeah. We're talking about like like next month, or is this like? 2023 which is where everything seems to be landing right now yeah and this is this is shocking because in the beginning it was like okay unreal is pushing power and pushing graphical fidelity and they 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 say hey you can learn unity when you grow up and want to become a professional you'll slide over to unreal because you got to compete against the uh uh the uncharted of the world you got to compete against the resident in you know proprietary mm-hmm. engines and we're the closest thing you're going to get to a proprietary engine these days this is the clear we're the closest and then the, then unity's like hey we got weather now we call right back up with you guys hey because you know really unreal was bragging with fortnite hit across all consoles like oh we play on everything now yeah you unity, remember you're the, not the uh, only one we're the one we're up here playing on everything and this this is good oh, at the end of the day hopefully it's the consumer and, and the creative is going to win in this it's um you know if you remember that that scene in the untouchables when elliot ness meets jim alone and he says oh you want to be capone 
And he tells them, this is your escalation steps if you want to win. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like unity was there, you know, and and the customers are like, you want to beat Unreal? What are you prepared to do? What -hmm. are you prepared to do? And unity said, hold on for a second. I got something in my pocket. I think it's (laughs) (laughs) $1.625 billion. Mm -hmm. That's how serious I am. (laughs) Boom. And if if there was ever. There's spades slammed on the table. If ever, if ever there was a software equivalent of a mic drop. Mm. It was. It was like, we're going to catch up. Let y'all know. Y'all, of course, y'all did the Mandalorian. Whatever. Y'all did that. Y'all did a bunch of Marvel movies. Whatever. I'm real. Guess what? We're here now, too. We, we bought the know, company that did them with you. Your competitor. You when your stock goes up that much, you got some spending money. Yeah. yeah. And it, well, to be honest, though, like this is good no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm willing to bet. I mean, look, you know, Epic and, and, and by extension, Tencent. They're, they're playing for keeps, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they had to get back in the game. You know, uh, Unity had to get back in the game on the, on the upper tiers, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think what this is going to do is this is going to make Epic dig in as well, yes. right? Because they ain't, they ain't going to go out like a sucker, <clears throat> right? And so no one on uh, outside of these two companies, at least, that depend on these two companies loses in this deal. Everybody yeah. Everybody and, wins. I just want to mention, by the way, that um, Travis, I've never seen The Untouchables, but I understood what you meant with your, <laughs> your analogy. So good also enough. never seen The Untouchables? But that's okay. <laughs> Who are you all? Blazing Saddles, Untouchables? I've seen Blazing Saddles now. Okay, now. Wait, and, 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 and what, was, what was the movie during the pre-show that you were talking about? Like, Cat, no. Wait. What, other, what oh, was it? Cat's Eye? Cat's Eye? Cat's oh, eye? You saw eye? cat's eye. Yeah. You didn't see Get out of here. Get out of here. Not only have I seen cat's eye, I've seen it multiple times. It freaked me out as a kid. Y'all All never right. saw Untouchables? Nothing you're going to tell me y'all never saw Tombstone. Don't you ever? Nope. Don't y'all, what? No. Godfather? Never seen... Here's nope. You've never seen The Godfather. No, but we could definitely get into a conversation <laughs> Honestly, about movie about movie watching in the they're 80s. Like, they're like sci-fi only. Sci-fi Like you could like you, you can get the Godfather with a press of a button. I know. If I, like, I don't want to see that. That has real human story. I don't want real human I want future. No, human I mean, story. you know, I need I fantasy. Mean, we, can get into this. we can get into this at some point. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But, 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 <laughs> but like we just saw the window and we had to see it in before now. Now if you see it, it's like if you see it new for the first time, it feels very dated. It does feel dated. The really Godfather dated. won't feel dated because of the story, but it looks I've heard many dated. people tell me this about different things. They're like, no, it still stands up and I'm like, does it though? The story does. The cinematic the Godfather? Of it. Yeah, it because, does. I mean, I, anyways, though, let, I think this is a good place for <laughs> right, we'll keep it in our tools. Let's keep it in our tools conversation. Movies that we have not seen yet for us to move into our, our tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, actually, we're going to continue the conversation we were just having here about, yeah. you know, about Weta and the Unity acquisition, because um, we want to talk a lot about like democratizing development, right? Mm-hmm. We want to talk about um, development tools and like you know the impact of like for instance this acquisition, um, what like what impact it can have, but then also just like really like what are development tools and like you know like how are they how are uh, how do teams use those as part of like their development process here? So 
Um, we did talk a little bit about, you know, we talked, I think, pretty extensively here about like, you know, the unity acquisitions like that. But I want to bring it back a little bit here for just a moment and just talk a little bit about like, let's just start this off. Like, I mean, you know, what do we mean when we talk about like development tools? You know, like what are the types of tools and stuff like that that are needed for development? I want to start this off here um, just right at the very beginning and kind of throw this out here and see what, what uh, you know, what folks can have to answer on that. Yeah, so I mean, you could you could think about it is if you know if I were going to make lunch, sure I could go outside and cut the wood down and make a pile and make a fire and you know go bend some you know melt some metal alloys into shapes to make a pot and pour the water in there, or I can go into my kitchen, use my stove and use my utensils, and 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 that's kind of a very uh, kind of ham-fisted example, but that's it, right? Like it's easier. The, the time that it takes to to make a meal is vastly contracted if I don't have to recreate every little tool I need to boil water or or things like that. So so really, with with these engines, what these tools are, they are they are those they are the pots, they are the pans, or the microwave, the George Foreman oven, they're the air fryer, right? Like they're they're these these things that allow you to to more easily focus on well, what's the dish I'm making, right? Like I'm not really concerned about how hot or or I got to maintain. 420 degrees for two hours it's like no i'm making a cake right and and what are the ingredients of the cake and what do i want that cake to 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 taste like and the more the better those tools are the more you can focus on the actual meal or the actual game content so that that's kind of how i think about it in real or unity mm-hmm. or even like the graphics engine the graphics tools like the the blender the etc that that's what i that's how i think of tools yeah, it's yeah. a really good analogy for it. So yeah. I, too. I did notice you left out the instant pot and I don't, just, come on, Leon, you just instant pot life. Really? <laughs> this yeah. the instant pot like that? But I got but, the um, foreman in there though. <laughs> you did get the foreman in there. I respect that. Um, but the, you know, but like just what Leon said, right? And part of the thing that's also really uh, what drives the creation of these tools, if I keep, if I continue on your analogy, is that everybody's got to eat. <laughs> everybody who wants, there's more than one person who wants to make a cake, who wants to bake a cake or make a sandwich or like, you know, boil some, like boil some pasta or something. So because of that, there are companies that came together and said, ah, let's, oh, we're seeing that this is a problem that lots of people have. So let's create, let's create solutions to that problem. This is a common shared problem. Let's continue to extend on that. You got like new versions it's like that. All this stuff comes out. And then let's offer that to folks so that now when people who are growing up need to learn how to like boil water, they ain't got to start by cutting down the wood. They can just walk in the kitchen and say, oh, yeah, I know how to boil. Like this is what yeah. I, I see that everyone else boils water in this pot on this stove. I can just jump straight to that part <laughs> as opposed yeah. to learning the other stuff that has a lot less value in it. Yeah. Uh, so you- yeah, I was going to say. We still haven't truly defined game engine. For those that want to know, game engine is basically just a package of programs for designers, programs and tools for designers, programmers, and artists. It comes together and it works well together. And you don't have to make each thing. Um, Like Leon said, it's like literally making each thing. It's like you have to make the house. You got to make the furniture in the house. You got to make the table. At one point, guess how games work? You had to make everything from scratch because what you start with was a blank screen. And you yeah. had to put everything there. And then the company was like, you know what? I'm going to give you this package of things. And we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to ask people to do user generated content to make packages of things that work in our package of things. So, yeah, packages on packages of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about like a package of things? To... Oh, so mm-hmm. go, go ahead, Travis. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. There used to be a concept that that um, 
got pretty outdated actually I, i'd say in the 90s but it was it was big if you if you were into computers in the 80s and we called it wissy wissy which is what you see is what you get mm-hmm. um and it was that was an important term and it was an important term because a lot of times when you enter stuff into computers but then you would output it onto another device it wouldn't look exactly like what you did when you were actually uh composing it on your on your computer and you always had to sometimes you had to print preview you had to do other things so that you could see how you were composing and how that would how that would work so uh people who are in the games or interested in the games um that is very much the struggle of all your computer uh, uh all your all your games ever done um people would generate these things in in, in different platforms uh whether or not there was 3d studio max maya uh, they, they, you know, After Effects and, and, and so on and so forth. They they take, uh, they, they, they'd create in these tools, but then when they got to your game, it wouldn't look nothing like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when you would incorporate, you know, tool programmers. So, you know, those those tool programmers, the ultimate job a tool, uh, tool pra- uh, programmer could have is however you composed it in that tool, that's exactly how it looks like when it gets to your end product. Uh, and the less steps you have in between there, the better. So, um, and, and those programmers, incidentally, now are some of the highest paid programmers now, yes. rather than rather than uh, the, the the type of uh, programmers who would build like a 3D engineer. Yeah. It's interesting. No, that's 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 a good way of defining it. And I'm, so, I mean, it also kind of like puts a focus on why it's important to make sure you're choosing the right tool for yes. your particular program. So how do you do that? How do you make sure you're choosing the right tool? Um, what you see is what you get yeah you you, i mean honestly i mean you know with them all yeah yeah i mean if you if you yeah i mean if you if you can if you can get in a tool Mm -hmm. and 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 you can make that tool accomplish whatever it was supposed to accomplish whether or not it's photoshop whether or not it's you know maya or or mudbox or, or or whatever and whatever you create in there if if your creation makes it to the end user in the same fashion then you're successful. I, I, I'm going to have to disagree and say your your tool decision should be driven by your requirements, right? And so I'm putting on my project manager hat here, and you know what are you, what are you trying to build? I'm trying to build a game that's going to run on mobile phones and PCs and game engines, or that's that that's going to make a different choice. Then if I said, hey, I'm trying to, that's going to force me to make a different choice than if I said, hey, I'm just trying to build a game that runs on a PC, right? So so before, I think a trap that a lot of people get into is they're like, I'm going to use Unreal. And and it's just like, no, 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 back up, dude. What are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, like, what are you doing? Like, what are your requirements? Um, is photorealistic graphics your thing? Then, okay, then maybe Unreal is the right choice, right? But um, I, I think you got to got to step back and you you define your set of requirements. That makes things a lot cheaper in the end. In terms of because because many of us have been in the middle of engine changes of a game, and that is not a fun thing. In fact, it's usually a disaster <laughs> for a, a, a game project uh, timeline overall. So um, I, I would say you know that requirements session is, is super important before you pick any tool. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that too because you you can pick Game Maker Engine. Unreal and Unity are not the only game engines out there for free. There's RPG Maker. If you want to make a role playing game, RPG Maker is amazing. You want to make Game Maker a 2D engine? It's amazing. You may want to make a 2D game. You're like, hey, I'm going to make a Mario type of platformer. 
then you know game maker may be perfect for you game yeah. maker, little big planet is a game engine yeah little big planet is a game engine dreams now dreams yeah it is a game engine yeah. we are seeing a lot less uh or a, a, mm-hmm. a much bigger push towards like that sort of off the shelf solutions like mm-hmm. Unity, like Unreal, and less uh, of of companies. I mean, it used to be back in the day, like there were so many companies that had their own proprietary engines. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot less common nowadays because when you have your own proprietary engine, you have a lot of control, right? Like you can determine, you can build build solutions that are specific to your team and your game and your content and all that kind of stuff, but. You hire someone brand new, chances are pretty freaking good. They've never used your game engine before. So there's mm-hmm. ramp up <laughs> that has to take place. There's yeah. understanding how your game engine that's proprietary interacts with other off the shelf solutions because you're probably not building every single tool that you use. Like there's a lot of friction around it and stuff mm-hmm. as well. I mean, there's value in like having an understanding of using any game engine. Um, but it is, it's becoming exceedingly rare for, for, uh, for a lot of companies, either whether they're like indie, uh, or all the way through AAA and quad a, um, to, to, to be using, um, their own, uh, and, their own engines. And that's a function also of complexity, right? Like games are, you know, Hey, you know, a lot of people don't recognize it as when games shifted from 2d to 3d that quadrupled the cost of developing those games, because mm-hmm. now it was a lot harder. We needed much, uh, an artist with a different skill set. Uh, we needed more powerful computers to do the rendering uh, in 3D and build those models, right? So, uh, but games like now, every game's got to have online connectivity. So it's not just it's not just the simple like, oh, I'm just going to build a a thing that can push triangles. It's like it's got to have a network stack. It's got to have anti cheating functionality. It's got to have all these other things. Yeah. So sure, you could invest that yourselves, but if somebody has an off the shelf product that I can buy for five hundred dollars a seat. Like, you know, the math doesn't work. I mean, as, as a pure example, you know, when I was doing training applications um, a few years ago, I had a rule with my developers where, because uh, these are training apps, so we didn't need to have, the art didn't have to be unique. Like off-the-shelf art was, was fine for our customers. And I basically said, look, if you can find a piece of code or an, an art asset that's less than $100, just buy it because the meeting is more expensive in our hourly rates than, it, than just buying the stupid asset. Just that buy part. it and try it. I don't care. Like, yeah, I bought that $3 tank. It didn't work out. Who cares, right? Move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. There are still, I mean, so then what are the benefits and why do some companies still create their own proprietary engines like that as opposed to just buying something that's off the shelf well here's okay so here's an example so um once upon a time before unreal <laughs> um you know it software had a uh, a uh, a 3d engine um it was really expensive um and um but it did the job right um companies would buy the engine make their game but it'd be cost prohibitive and it wouldn't make as much money as it possibly could because they were giving a lot of their money to its software. Right. And so every year that this, that they would, they would do this, they would start to rewrite more and more and more and more of that code until they could throw all the edge software code away um, and, you know, exist on their own engine. That's how a lot of engines got made. Um, so sometimes it's strictly, you know, uh, financial, um, a lot of times it has to do uh, with with freedom, um, uh, you know, depending on, you know, your economics, um, you know, uh, it might be worth your time to actually do it. Like, you know, and that's why 
you don't see most small uh, game places that have their own proprietary engines. Yeah. Okay. Usually the proprietary engines are reserved for big publishers uh, like, uh, you know, obviously EA, mm-hmm. Ubisoft, you know, uh, you know, things, uh, things of that nature. Rockstar. Um, I know, I, I know, for example, like, uh, you know, when I was at Sony, um, it was extremely hard to code for a PS3. I mean, it was, it was just like, everybody was like, this takes forever to get up and going. That right? emotion engine, man. And, and so, <clears throat> And so what eventually happened was, is all the internal teams got together and said, we're going to build an engine. And if you're making a first or second party game for Sony, you will use this engine. Mm. Right. Um, And it was just a way of keeping all the money internally and um, making sure that if you are, you know, in Sony's case, a a platform holder, that you are utilizing the best possible uh, technology and solutions for your your platform. I, I think the simplest answer to that question is requirements again. Right? Are you trying to build something that is not currently covered by the existing set of, of game mm-hmm. engines? Right? Um, then that is a answer <laughs> of, of use or or and honestly, usually modify is the better quest is the better answer. So mm-hmm. you know when you when you do Unreal, you get access to the source, right? So you could you can change that, and and that's very common. Now the danger of that is. Is once you're on a branch, you can't really merge. So there's 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 some danger there, which a lot of us are shaking our heads because we have also dealt with that pain. But um, <laughs> branching is like the worst word in game development. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you Ooh, painful. <laughs> but uh, but requirements, right? Like I'm building a massively multiplayer online plane, so the peer-to-peer networking of Engine X doesn't work because I need client server. Right. Yeah. I need to be able to deploy this across Azure or, um, you know, AWS instances. That, that's an example. Yeah. yeah I, I, I like it's worth. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, was gonna say, I like the fact you say requirements. One of your requirements is the skill set of your team. If you're a team full of designers, you don't pick an engine that's engineering heavy. Mm, and if you're part. a team full of engineers, you don't pick an engine that's designer heavy. So between and, and, like Unreal and and Unity, I mean, like or I mean or other engines like mm-hmm. that. I mean, which 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 are you saying is like more engineering heavy? Which one is more design heavy? Just kind of curious. I personally think Unity is more engineering heavy because it's bespoke, so you can buy all the pieces. Like they give you a really strong, robust engine, and then they have a really strong marketplace of people engineering tools and whatnot and things. You can buy them, and it may work, but you don't know who these engineers are that's engineered it. And so you want to engineer it's like, oh, I'm going to make it work. Let me figure this out. You know, bang on it, so they can put this very bespoke engine. Where Unreal is like, we don't like you touching the source. We'll let you touch the source, but let us do it. Tell us what you want, and we'll try to get it in there in the next. <laughs> two years before your game ships <laughs> so that's what they try to do <laughs> and, and which, which also has... incidentally is another reason why a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of companies used to own proprietary engines because they didn't want to work on some other company's yeah. timeline and roadmaps right yeah and unreal also had the blueprint system where you can build a game in blueprint and have no engineers on the team just a bunch of designers it won't be the most efficiently running game but you can get the game up and running and i know people that have done that and taken yeah. their blueprint game and said hey we got money for like four engineers this is our game make it run efficiently optimize it for us and we'll redesign anything you need to redesign and it works that way yeah. and uh, to, to build on to, to mm-hmm. what chuck said a second ago too like 
Uh, and just once again, coming back to what Leon said, it is about requirements. It's about not only requirements for your product, what you're trying mm-hmm. to make, but also like, yeah, your staff that's available and what's their core mm-hmm. competency? What are they good at? Where do you want to spend your time, mm-hmm. right? Whether we're talking about proprietary engine or we're talking about building extensible uh, extensible uh, classes on top of existing um, existing engines. Like, you know, one of the places where a lot of companies that, that have the proprietary engines go wrong is uh, they have their own engine and then they have their game teams and they don't have dedicated engine resources. They mm-hmm. don't have dedicated tools, folks. Mm-hmm. And so when suddenly, when the engine's not doing a thing we need to do, and this is the whole reason we had our proprietary engine to begin with, it's like, okay, you're like raising a hand, like, is there a tools engineer I can steal for two weeks to fix this mess? And a lot of, like, you're, you're mm-hmm. constantly trying to grab for resources. If you're not supporting your tools, your internal tools and your internal engine, why are you doing it? <laughs> like, don't do it. It will cost mm-hmm. everyone a lot less headaches and mm-hmm. and uh, energy and anger to just go for off the self solutions. Yeah. And Unity's lean too. It's lean. Like I said, it's bespoke. They give you just enough to put your game up. If you have engineers, you can add all the components you need. Where Unreal, you have to take all of it. You have to take all of it and yeah. then compile it all the way down to exactly what you need. It's a little bit different. You know, I think, uh, Leon probably will use Unity with his team, and I will use Unreal with my team because we're design heavy. We're not engineers at all, but he probably has engineers on his team that were like, oh, we could fix that in like 10 lines of code. <laughs> It'll take us like five blueprints. He'll do it in 10 lines of code. <laughs> so, so there's a comment I have to make, and it pains me because it was a, co- it was a genius comment made by Travis. This really hurts, but, but <laughs> the comment is this, right? So what, what Travis said was, hey, your game doesn't have to have amazing reactive artificial intelligence. The user just has to think it does. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and this is sometimes, particularly if you get an academic heavy engineer, they'll say, no, I want to build these. I want to build these intelligent agents. And they've got they're basically trying to fulfill these objectives or whatever. And then I'll just say, yeah, dude, write a script. Right. Write a simple <laughs> five line script and do the same thing. You know, one thing I tell people, you know, you go back to Doom. People thought Doom had this great intelligence. But if you if you zoomed in and you looked at all the monsters in Doom, they were following wherever you went in the ra- the maze, they were following you, right? Because they were just they were just tied to your XY coordinate. Mm-hmm. It was it was that simple, right? There was no sophisticated line of sight target acquisition system. It was like no once once they had a, a ray trace to you they knew where your XY coordinate was, they attacked. So so it's it's again that's another part of that requirement. You might say, hey, it's got to have expansive AI. It's like, but does it, right? <laughs> and, and, and when you break that down, and then that goes to exactly what Chuck was saying, then maybe you don't need a fancy, super technical solution. The idea is to make a game and make sure that game is fun. Okay. Now, if, if you know, now I'll give you an example where the AI does work, right? Left 4 Dead has a director system uh, that, you know, they, they just make the level and the AI populates the level depending on, on what's happening situationally. You're running out of ammo, you go around the corner, you find literally a smorgasbord of bullets. If you're hanging around in one place too long, then they send a horde of zombies and actually let them ship those games really quickly because they didn't they didn't do any placement of spawners manually. The AI did that for them. Mm-hmm. But so but that was their design decision to do that. So so again, like requirements like i always love the empirical again you know i mentioned robotics coaching is something i said to my kids all the time i say kiss keep it simple stupid right 
a good a good simple solution that works is better than a brittle complex one absolutely think of it think of it like this like i know i'm once again showing my age but if anyone has had a computer back in the 80s for example you you, you saw like turtle graphics you know like mm-hmm. and it was just how long does it actually take you to like to to draw something in 3d right mm-hmm. and and you can do that on your phone right now with two fingers okay yeah. um it's huge okay and so if you take that you know because that's that's been 30 years and you think about what we're going to be able to do 30 years from now okay it's phenomenal okay i mean mm-hmm you really will be able to design games much like a game gets pitched nowadays where you can literally talk to an AI and say, I want it to be like doom and, uh, you know, and, and, and pray with a little Metroid in it. And then, you know, your, your, uh, your game simulator will say working and then you're right. off to the races. It's going to be like a holodeck. Yeah, well, that's yes. what we want. Yes. That's what we want. That's exactly what yes. you want. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah. And, and so if you get there, you can thank a teacher, but thank your tool programmers. Yes. 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 And tool yes. programmers are important. That's a job that is heralded and people don't know. Become a tool programmer. If you become like a tech artist, tool programmer, your money, your money in the bank. You're the sexiest person the sexiest on the I was going to give that clarification because yes. it's not just programming. Like <laughs> yes. the tools, folks, like yeah. it's not just programming. It goes across like all disciplines. All disciplines. That stuff is critical. Tools yeah. design. Tools need to be architected too, by the way. That's one of the other places mm-hmm. where we fall down. We oftentimes think about like tools development as just like you just need engineers and they just create like just-in-time mm-hmm. solutions for whatever thing is wrong in the game right now. And it's like, no, we need architects. We need mm-hmm. people to plan stuff out so it's so it's both um, scalable, scopable, and extensible <laughs> in the future. Trust Absolutely. me, when you don't do that, the pain will make you wish that you had just yeah. gone ahead and bought Unreal. <laughs> yeah, like, like, the, the game engine will take you so far, and engineering mm-hmm. and gameplay engineers only take you so far. But if your designers don't have the and, and your artists don't have the right tools, or even your engineers don't have the right tools, mm-hmm. if the game falls apart, and that's yeah. not including your marketing team now that needs tools, and yeah. and your analytics team that needs a lot of tools to help improve and- your game. And your production team, because and your production, production team, people. yeah, we haven't talked about yeah, we have producers here. <laughs> producers, yeah, I don't care about producers. Tools, no, yes. I need some production <laughs> tools. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what it what it essentially boils, what it essentially boils down to is is that you know there's there's different there's different you know there's different tools there's hammers there's nails there's wrenches and, mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth right that help you build a very complex structure like a house okay mm-hmm. or uh, there's 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 complex tools that help you actually build like CPUs, right? Um, just like there, you know, and and depending on the degree of difficulty of whatever you're trying to create, so is the difficulty of creating a a, a tool to uh, to service it. But when you have a tool that is that dope, trust me when I say, business will find its way to you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, this is a fabulous conversation, folks. Um, I know we can talk a lot, you know, t- probably talk about this for forever, mm-hmm. um, particularly, you know, with this new change, this new acquisition and stuff like that uh, of Weta and stuff like that. I'm sure we're going to, ha- we'll probably come back to this once we know a little bit more about like what this really means um, for the industry. Um, but before we close up, I'm kind of curious. We haven't done this for a little while. I'm curious, what is everybody playing right now? Travis, what are you playing right now? Uh, I literally, 
literally just finished downloading Forza. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be on as soon as I get off of here, you know, because once again, Game Pass representing. <laughs> That's the deal in gaming. This deal, anything. I think in anything, streaming, period, everything. Cable, your <laughs> cell phone, is the Game yeah. Pass is the best deal going. It is. <laughs> it's better than everything. Like Microsoft is going for it. They're going hard. The they Epic are. Store is like, hey, we give you free games. I'm like, so what? Microsoft gives me a whole library. <laughs> <laughs> and I've wanted something to try out this 3080. Games for a I didn't even know I wanted to play. Like, yeah. I'm gonna I'll, I'll be honest. That. Like, like, this game's amazing. I would have never bought this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have no time to play games right now, mm-hmm. but like, I was tempted to be like, just to get the, the Series X, just because I'm like, well, maybe if I do. Yeah, great deal. You know, so it's it's legit. It is legit, and it's a sexy little console. Little is the key word there. Yes, (laughs) right. True. You don't have to like clear off a whole shelf. You know, make sure you got. It doesn't stand as tall as my TV. Yeah, which is the size of my wall. Like, why would you do this? Right. My PS Five is several file file folders tall. What are you playing right now, Chuck? Yeah, uh, I'm playing right now on Dreams. Actually, uh, a friend of mine was she and her and her her business. She needs somebody to analyze Dreams for, her, and I told her I'll do it. I showed her Dreams for the first. She didn't know it existed. She was like, "What's this little big planet?" And I was like, "What? Your product is little big planet." She's like, "Show it to me." And I showed her. Said, "I have Dreams," and I was like, "She was like, wow, we're so far." But I said, "You'll catch up. It's a long time." She's like, she's I'm an educator. I'm not this is not my technology phone. I said, I told you to find a really strong creative director. She's like, I got you. I was like, I'm not your creative director. I'm just <laughs> I'm just a friend. What'd you say? Wow, you 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 friend dev zoned somebody. Friend dev zoned her, yeah. I'm just a friend. But I help her, you know, because she's she's brilliant and she wants to yeah. she wants to help people of color, and particularly our people, to get in technology yeah. and to see things they've never seen before. So, so you're I was saying like, she has what you need. That's cool. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> right? You know, I feel obligated, like, damn it. Like you up here, you up here, you up here playing like on my heartstrings. You know, I can't say no to our people. You know, I can't say no. <laughs> this, is, this is disgusting. All right, Leo, what are you playing? So I finished up Metroid Dread, and um, absolutely fantastic game. Uh, very much uh, a love letter to the entire Metroid series. Mm. Uh, really introduced some new mechanics with these just evil robots that just brutally murder you uh, and chase you down like a rabbit dog. But um, great game and uh, really impressed and, and definitely recommended to any Switch owner that that has enjoyed a Metroidvania game. That's cool. I, I do have a bone to pick with Metroid Dread because I downloaded the demo and the demo does not let you save any data. So like, I just was trying to try out the demo and I got one of those things that was chasing me around and like, he killed me and then he can't chase me around again and kill me. And I was like, well, I don't feel like playing again, but like, I can't save. Are you mad at Nintendo? What do you say? Are you mad at Nintendo? Am I mad at Nintendo? (laughs) I'm more mad at myself. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like. Surprise! Now you're victim blaming uh, yourself. I, I, well, okay. Here's the thing. That's Stockholm I know syndrome. Nintendo does this. I know Nintendo does this. You know. <laughs> he treats me bad, but he really loves me. He really loves me. You know. He 
By the no, way, I, I found it. I, I find him. it really amusing that we call Metroid Dread a Metroidvania. Yeah, no, we call it Metroidvania. <laughs> it is original. <laughs> it's in its name, a Metroidvania. I mean, you know, it's it is I'm, it is part of the class. Right? It's true. It's true. No, I'm not like I'm not judging I mean, like that. I just know. like it's. I, I, I find that be really interesting. Technically, yeah. the USS Enterprise is an Enterprise class ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am playing two things. I'm playing Metroid Dread on my Switch as well, mm-hmm. which I, I think is a fantastic game. I do take issue with one hit kills with those Emmy, which is just upsetting. And just for anyone who wants to know, too, um, it's a great game. The difficulty it does have some difficulty spikes, y'all. It's old school. It, it, it's very old school. It's and old like school. you'll win into like boss battles that you're just like, I'm getting killed over and over again. And it's not like you can back up and go like grind or anything like that. Like I said, no, you just gotta you figure out their through. patterns. And I did get killed by a couple bosses like 10 times in a row or more. Because yeah. you just have to see, like I told my, I was on the phone with my sister, and I'm like, oh, just got killed. Yeah, because I heard a new all. attack. Oh, got <laughs> killed because it's another new attack. But so, you feel accomplished when you beat it. Mm. right and that's yes awesome. but also still angry <laughs> but it's still it's like it, old school just want to put that out there for folks like there's no there's no difficulty uh slider that you can bring down on it's like that the other game i'm playing um is pikmin bloom which is adorable so it's a game that's not so much a game but a game kind of thing um so uh, i've got three pikmin one's named sandy one's named mateo and one's named laguna and it's very cute oh. I have five Pikmin. One is named Paprika. One is Tulip. One is Sriracha. And I think I've got Canary. He's my little yellow Pikmin. I've got one more. I've, I've forgotten his name, but you know. Probably Cilantro. <laughs> There's no green Pikmin. Where's, where's Lowry's? I demand a Lowry's. Lowry's, Lowry's. There's or a color no theme going on here, y'all. His name is Flareon. That's the name of my Flareon. <laughs> He's one different. Now you cross the see, screen. See, Flareon see, Flareon see. No, Flareon, I don't know, is is is, is the, the queen. He's the mm-hmm. drag queen pigman. That's his stage name, Flareon. <laughs> his well, real name. His real name is uh, uh, Basil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no green one, so he's like, I go out Flareon. Random stuff for me. It's my okay. new name. I, love I, it. I assume that that car alarm means it's time for us to wrap up. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if y'all can hear that. Um, the only things I'm playing also are are I'm I play the Metroid Dread demo. I'm still trying to finish up um, Ace Attorney, mm. which is takes forever, mind you. Okay, mm. that game long. I didn't used to complain about games being too long, but oh my goodness, now. No, well that, that like even by like normal like Ace Attorney standards, that game is like too long. I think it just like it just tells you the same stuff too many times anyways um try, still finishing that up and also act razor so you know um those are a couple of things i'm playing around with anyways let us go ahead and close up our show for you folks today um i want to give a shout out to digital click they create for all the creative that they provide for us for each and every show if you want to learn more about tech nubians then hit up our website that's technubians.com t-e-c-h-n-0-0-b-i-a-n-s.com please follow us here on twitch and if you like our vibe, and we, we know, know you, you do. do. Oh, God, and God. If <laughs> you want to learn more about game development or anything geek, please consider subscribing to our channel. You can also follow us on all the socials, uh, search Geekish Network on all major platforms. And if you're ever wondering about what else geek we're talking about, you can check out the schedule of shows on, the t- on TGN on our Twitch page. That's it for now, everyone. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you all next week. Peace.